Glad you could join us for episode 90 of Fatalist. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. Did, did you lock the side door? Because I put the bar on the entrance door, because it's really only a matter of time before the authorities break down the doors yeah, and force got, us to go back trying, to work. Trying to hide from the man. Yes. Make uh, us work, but they can't. Yeah. That's right. Now, um, you know, we're even going to, I thought about our do we care for this episode, and, and I first thought, well, do we care that it wasn't actually a Christmas episode, and then it occurred to me that, well, it could have been a Yule episode, but apparently Yule must not happen in December. Yeah, you would have had to have uh, told me that earlier so right. I could prepare to know what you're talking about. Although they're, well, Krampus, come on. Right, no, I remember. You know, right, that right. was like the only, was that the only, I mean, I think, I don't really think they've had any kind of holiday They had Fay Day way back when, and i forget what that actually even represents right but, but was that uh, like a holiday was that because you know, watched that, like season one i don't know we were that was like after season one actually occurred I yeah think, i think right? fey day was the main fey holiday but uh but we do have to say to be to be honest with the holidays we're really stretched pretty thin here so ordinarily we'd have done a little bit of research like you know you were saying about the, is musashi a, a real character which we we know he he was a real person, right? Yeah, right. But, but uh, we didn't really look too deeply into that. So. We're kind of doing this one on the on the fly, as we said. As you know, we're here at work trying to get it in because there will definitely from here and the next week or so. There's there's not going to be any time for podcasting, right? And because actually, what's going to happen as soon as we're done following us, although we're going to try to get out before they get here, will be a small portion of the faculty singing Christmas carols, and, and not only do we not want to be part of that uh we also uh, want to well i'm always i'm, I'm always part of, i participate <sighs> in that uh, it's fun yeah right. it's a little a little holiday spirit but ironically enough you know we we're going to usually go tuesday nights we record and we couldn't this week because my neighbor has his yearly holiday party on the 23rd every year but now his daughter has uh 101 degree fever so the holiday party got canceled so we could have done it tonight but we already well, made plans for for to you know Break the law here at work. Yeah, and uh, there's not a lot of work getting done in the building, although I was a Grinch and gave a test. Uh, Boo, anyway, today? I know, I really? know, I know. Wow. I know. Uh, anyway, we'd love to hear from the listeners via email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com, website fatalist.podbean.com, where you can leave a voicemail via the SpeakPike tag, or you can just record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment. Tonight, we are here to discuss Season 5, Episode 3 of Lost Girl, starring Anna Silk, Chris Holden-Reed, Zoe Palmer, but not Cassinia Solo. No longer Cassinia Solo. Yeah, so uh, tonight's episode is called Big in Japan, written by Alexandra Zeroni, who, this is her eighth episode. Yeah, she's done a lot. Yeah, two, I, I went back and looked. Two in Season 2, two in Season 3, three last season, and then this is the first one so far in Season 5. Directed by Ron Murphy, who did four last season, and I think he did two some yeah, other season. Yeah, he's done a lot, yeah. Yeah, and uh, air date December 21st, 2014. So opening scene, we've got, the, I don't know, it, it seemed to me kind of Arabian-influenced music playing in the background as Bo is starting to paint the wall, and it certainly took me back to the car washing scene. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we do find out that she did put a lot of thought into her painting attire. Yeah, she did. Um, it was obvious. And, Very fetching outfit. And, you know, last week we saw her pull down the planks on the, uh, at least on one window. Right. And, and that, that decision gets questioned this week, It right? does, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, green paint, significant? Well, I think like green is renewal, new life, rebirth. Okay. Um, you know, this whole thing is, and like painting itself, you know, when do you paint? Well, you paint 
when uh, the smudge marks from the kids get too bad on the walls or you're just, you know, even then, but you're like, All right, I want a new, something new here. I want a new color. I'm changing things up here. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, shirtless Dyson <laughs> yeah. comes up behind her, uh, you know, making fun of her painting technique. And, and again, uh, we, we've both done our fair share of painting. I don't know about you, but I don't let my wife anywhere near a roller. No, uh, the one time actually when we first moved in the house, I was painting the kids' rooms, and uh, you know, the, the, my older two uh, were very young at the time, and they wanted to help out. So I said, sure. And then that just resulted in more hours of me going back and exactly. all the lines and all, you know, that, that, that the boys had done. So painting, yes, is pretty much, though, I, but my wife, I do actually, because, you know, the, the last two places we've had, we've had to do a significant amount of painting, so it's been necessary for her yeah, to help out. My wife's too slow. But <laughs> uh, the interesting thing, and this kind of sets up one of the major storylines, is that, I mean, look, he's shirtless, so we can assume that they had sex recently. We don't know how recently, but um, he's trying to seduce her again, and she's not into it. Right. Um, I take issue with uh, you saying that because he was shirtless that we assume they had sex because he's actually kind of shirtless a lot of this episode. So I don't think he's having sex the whole time. I think, uh, you know, more of the let's here's Chris Holden Reed's abs and, you know, fair enough. Right. Well, good point. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He's not Matthew McConaughey, though. She says she even has a headache and, and he reminds her no strings attached. And so we're wondering, you know, what's the problem? And, and, you know, I mean, obviously we know something's wrong and it's, but this is the first time she's shown any kind of weakness at all. Well, she's literally been to hell and back. Recently, well, we find so. that out later, right? Uh, Dr. Lauren, uh, I guess kind of comes up with that, but, uh, then we're in the doll and, uh, apparently the doll now features karaoke. Yeah, man, Ring My Bell could be the worst <laughs> song ever invented, and it's like 10 times worse when done for karaoke. Yes, that was exactly. Just awful. What a terrible, terrible karaoke choice. What happened to My Way? Okay, all right. Pretty, I hate that song too, but... Right, uh, but still, it's a good karaoke it, it song. It is good. Okay. Well, anyway, so the, the doll's filled with Asian fay, right? I mean, it... it did they book it for? I, do, I don't know. Man, there's all um, kinds of new people coming to the doll. Trick said that more than once. All right. Now we see the drink get spiked. And again, it kind of takes us back to the pilot episode where, uh, you know, we're first introduced to Bo when, when the guy tries to spike oh, Kenzie's yeah, yeah, drink. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Right. The guy tries to, well, he does roof here. Right. He does. Right. Yeah. Um, but the drinker notices something's not right. You know, he t- I don't know if he even actually sips it. He, he, he begins smelled, to, yeah. and then he's like, "Whoa!" Right, and then he does that whole waving his hand over the glass, and, yeah. and that was pretty cool. That was that that was very cool. Actually. Right, so he looks around like he knows somebody obviously tried to poison him. So, so obviously that's one of the uh, the, the plot lines going on. The other thing that that you know the Fey power structure is in flux, and a lot of it is due to Lauren and, and, you know, a lot of the, I don't even want to say subtext, but it, but it really is subtext of the episode, I think revolves around the ramifications of what Lauren's done to the Morrigan, the uh, independence, the burgeoning power that, that, you know, Lauren may possess is certainly hinted at here. Well, and basically she's invented this kind of WMD for the Fae that has people kind of freaked out. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and she's not really taking it serious. I mean, she, it, she no, is, she's not. No, but, she's, but she's not. You. you know, like it's it's pretty serious. And she's like, ah, you know, I'm all right. You know, what are they going to do to me? And that's that's right when something happens to you when you say something like well, that. Well, and again, she should know better. But but the other interesting thing was the parallel stories of the Japanese Fay Tomoe who turns out to be the exalted one and then Bo as the chosen one and you know it, it's Bo you know alternately doesn't even want anything to do with it she just as soon not have her power she says later in the episode and and be a normal person and then Tomoe who's really subjugating herself for the honor of her brother until it comes down to where she realizes that if he does go through with it He's right. going to end up as a toilet fay, right? Which maybe he deserves because he is kind of a douche, and and it's the douche who is you know going after the power and who desires the power. The people who really deserve to be in power don't want it. You know, it's kind of like the original idea of the founding fathers. You know, like being a president wasn't supposed to be something you'd want. Like they didn't even campaign because it was like it's supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be service. Um, and obviously it's no longer like that, but, you know, but the, you know, so those guys really believed, well, you know, I want to do this, not be, for me personally, but for the good of, of the country, which yeah. of course is probably BS then too, but yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> they, they spun it well. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, the other thing that kind of begins to get established, it, it's maybe too early to call Tamsin Bo's BFF, but, but certainly their relationship is, is underway and in fact uh, Dyson makes a point that that you know she really needs Tamson to be her friend so you know we'll see how that progresses and then again we, we spoke about this before the development of the relationship between Dyson and Lauren as friends and I love that yeah I, I'm actually thinking that I like seeing Dyson and Lauren together. I think more than I like seeing Dyson and Bo together. Yeah, I, I think agree. They, they play very well off of each other, and uh, you know they're just they're. I, I think it's just great after all that those seasons of antagonism between the two to see them not just getting along but actually helping each other out and you know let's say have a relationship together. Then yeah, then and I think cool. we're all going to have to face the fact that uh, Kenzie's not coming back. I mean, she might come back for an episode here and there at the end, but I think really, I think we're done. And yeah, well, she uh, got the gig on Orphan Black. Well, right, right. So. right. But I, I think obviously, when anytime you lose a major character, the character that essentially takes his or her place is subject to an uh, immense amount of venom from the fans. And, and I think here it's going to go towards Tamson, who I don't think deserves it. Well, yeah, well, maybe, but Tamson's already an established character. You know, so I think it's right, a little bit easier. Right, but not as Bo's like, friend. Right, but still, like it's. I think it's a smoother transition when you have a character who's already been on for a couple seasons, rather than who's that? Look, well, you probably don't remember. Well, I mean, I know you remember Different Strokes, but I don't know if you're actually watching it. No. But at the end of Different Strokes, they brought on this little kid, Sam. I think was his name. This little red haired white kid. Okay, and it's like, what? You know, it was just like this whole this show that had been on for a long time. Gary Coleman was you know now probably in his mid-30s and so wasn't looking like he was eight anymore and so they bring in this kid to be the cute kid and funny and it was awful uh, okay but see they just yeah, i was just bringing in like this artificial character whereas tamson's already uh, true, part of the true, show true. so when she starts like kind of taking on kenzie's role even starting to talk like kenzie a little bit 
Um, you, you obviously we say, oh, okay, well, she's taking over that role as Kenzie. Um, she's she's not Kenzie, but yet you know. It, so is I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting that you say that. Is it is she making an effort to sound like Kenzie, or is this really her? I mean, we don't know at this point. So. Right now, the the first story we see, and, and you know, on on the first view, I thought, why did they even really have this storyline? You know, we see we're in Lauren's lab. And there are three dead human bodies from an elevator crash, and none of them have an observable wound. But, you know, finally it all becomes clear at the end, you know, when we see the girl in the elevator right. from last episode with holding the candle right. is, is well, now the one that's reborn. Yeah, and I didn't, when they pulled the the cadaver or the corpse out in the beginning of the show, was it she? I think so. I just didn't I, recognize yeah, exactly. her. I didn't recognize either. Um but I did say, oh, well, this you know, elevator, okay, so this must be the attack from last episode is, you know, these right. are the people from that. Um, right. Now, but, the other thing is they mentioned the Fey blood, which she has still not been able right, to, identify, to identify, so we don't right. know what's up with that. Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be Bo's blood? No, I think whoever this woman is who, you know, resurrected mm-hmm. or whatever, um, I assume it's going to be her blood and that she is some kind of Fey that, they've never seen before okay um but she looks obviously she is you know very dangerous i like it yeah all right well speaking of danger obviously lauren's life is in danger since she turned the morgan human and 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 as dyson points out that that both face sides the light and the dark are are scared because they don't want to be turned human and and she's now got this power she's getting death threats dyson tells her to be ready but like like you were saying earlier she just kind of seems unconcerned which doesn't seem to follow with her intellect she has to understand how powerful it is you know what what she's able to do so it could be also just that self-delusion we all have that where we know something well i, I know i should be really concerned and worried but i'm gonna give this outward appearance of confidence to so that the people around me don't worry well true true well fortunately she kind of wakes up and again it was a great scene she goes to dyson I need help with self-defense. And why does she ask him to put his shirt on? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that should... he doesn't really. He just you know, throws on like a you know, sweatshirt with no arms. Yeah. I, I don't even think he zipped it up. So yeah, it's like, but uh... Uh, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, I guess now she's starting to grasp the seriousness. Are you, are you seeming to suggest that there might be a Lauren D hookup? Well, uh, that would be crazy. That would be. <laughs> um, but. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but no. either way, though, um, he is. He tells her, "Fine, good, take your jacket off." And she's like, "Now?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he starts like kind of slap fighting with her. And yeah, she, but not even really. Well, I understand know, like, that, but but it catches her off guard, and and clearly she's not been in a fight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and as he she starts to walk out, and he's like, he realizes, well, okay, maybe that wasn't the right approach, and he, I was just wanting to see how you move, which is probably not exactly yeah. true, but. Right. But, you know, it's slightly different from uh, Laurel Lance's training sessions that we saw in Arrow. But, well, true. Yeah. True. And, and he points out that, you know, you have to understand extreme is your new reality, whether you like it or not. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting. It, it's, I mean, we get how later in the episode the guy comes in, has her assistant hostage, and wants the serum. Um, I'm not sure what serum he's asking for. I mean, is he, 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 he can't imagine he's Faye and wants to be turned human. 
Yeah. Though you never know. Maybe he's but, a human wants to be turned. Yeah, that was. Right. I wasn't sure exactly what that guy's agenda was. Right. Because at first you think he's, you know, going to try and get Lauren. Like, I, yeah, Lauren needs to be obviously much more suspicious of every, you know, of everyone who comes into her office. But uh, yeah. and he grabbed the assistant. Like, what? Is, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, love the scene where she's training with the throwing stars, and and it really sets up that conversation where he's worried that Bo blames him for stopping Bo from saving Kenzie at the portal. And, and, and again, it just their, their relationship that's really heading in a positive direction. She, Lauren assures him that Bo blames herself, not, you know, and, and says, I, I wish she would blame me or trick or Tamsin or, or whoever, anybody but herself. But, but that's the, uh, you know, the reality. Um, in, in fact, she could even blame Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> uh, nice love, start right I, mean, I, I like how they, they, they worked that one in that was really cool right which uh, comes on the heels somewhat of uh, when she was packing her Star Star Trek figures and then of course the guy that comes in the lab and, and she uses ketamine and her brief Chinese throwing star training with yes. D and she yeah. nails him you right in the neck gotta, you, you gotta let it go you know D's little Mr. Miyagi lesson uh, came through exactly so which is like, how hard is that like okay throwing stars one thing but a needle like really yeah well <laughs> i mean i've tried throwing knives before and uh i had a job where we used to throw knives in the back oh, yeah? room there yeah nice when the bosses went home but anyway what job was that uh I worked in a cafeteria when i was in like 10th or 11th grade oh yeah so <laughs> You know, you're putting teenagers in charge. Uh, yeah, if you leave teenagers alone. For, for anyone that has a business, if if you leave the teenagers to close up, they're definitely throwing knives or doing other stuff you probably don't want them doing. No. So, uh, but on to the main story, which is really uh, Bo and Tamson, who are now the private investigating team, trying to find the assassin that... Uh, you know, was after the guy at the, at the bar, right? Exactly, and 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 like we said before, obviously something's wrong with Bo. No sex drive, um, and it almost sounded like seemed like maybe no taste buds. But uh, Tamson's not going to take no for an answer. We're going to go out on the town. The two of them get dressed up, uh, and, <laughs> and a funny scene where they're they're I guess walking down the street, and the guy in the car, uh, I was going to say Miyashi uh, Musashi. Musashi uh, sitting in his car, tries to pick him up, thinks there are prostitutes. Right. And then, of course, Tam says, well, how much do you have? Yeah, well, yeah, it's right. Like, Bo's like, we're not prostitutes. And then she's like, yeah, but, like, how much you got? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good, that was a great line. Right. Um, so we don't really see anything that transpires with him, but we do see Bo and Tamson in bed the next morning with right. serious hangovers. And Bo looks over, did we do anything? No. We did. Now she doesn't say good, so right. yeah. In fact, Bo says, "Well, can I?" Which right. we assume means to yeah, you know, yeah. suck some brown chi. chicken brown cow uh, coming up. But and, and, and then she tries, and you know, no, I can't. Yeah. It's no like well, your breath isn't exactly minty fresh, chosen one, <laughs> which was a great line. But yeah, and then hence the uh, the regret for pulling out the. Pl- we see why the planks were there in the first place. I guess was because they're you know probably too cheap to buy curtains. Yep, uh, they were just merely keeping out the sun in the morning. Right. So I, I don't want to say once they wake up because they're still in their groggy 
uh, post-hangover state, but they notice uh, Tokyo Police Club sitting in the chair next to the bed, who uh, obviously Musashi. That's a good band. And uh, yeah. And he tells them he's been marked for assassination and mentions that the first attempt was a, a rare breed of piranha. And, and obviously he's there because he wants them as his bodyguards. Now, I'm not, I guess he knows of Bo. Or so he says. Or so he says, exactly. Um, Tamsin starts putting two and two together that, that he's one of, he, he is the famous Musashi who won one of the greatest battles in all of Fae history. So we're wondering, you know, why somebody trying to uh, kill him and, you know, he hands Tamsin that scroll and we get the whole idea that he's ascending to become king of his ancestors, a god. Right. So, which, uh, you know, we kind of talking about that, this whole Hades thing, you know, this idea of, you know, fae and gods and mortal and immortal and whatnot. So, there's another attempt made on his life. <clears throat> we see a lot of ninja skills in this episode, which was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, even got to see Bo and Tamsin in their little ninja outfits, although neither of them look too adept. Yeah. Well, they get the job done. They did get the job done. Yeah. Um, the guy comes and he recognizes, oh, exalted one. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was you. And then like, yeah, plunges uh, the he, knife into yeah, him. He sees the, uh, the, now, first of all, how, how does he not know? Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> like he has to see the tattoo. Before. Well, I guess he was, you know, instructed to kill. Well, right. Cause he's not wearing a mask or anything. Right. So yeah, good point. I yeah. don't know. No, but, no, just uh, saying. Yeah. Now we, we talked about, um, D not being able to get Bo in the mood, and Lauren can't get Bo in the mood, and and it's like Bo just realized I have no sex drive, and then Lauren points out, and and rightly so, and it was something I didn't really think about initially that, given the fact that she can't heal herself, she becomes really vulnerable, and again we haven't seen Bo vulnerable very often, that's for sure. Yeah, and the. You know, everything that's going on, because you know, we're just at this point, we're wondering, you know, what is the deal? And at this point, I'm chalking up to something's happened to her when she was down in, in uh, right. Tartarus that has, you know, obviously adversely affected her, maybe even kind of starting to change her back into a human. Right. And, and well, right, exactly. Uh, or not that she ever was a human, right? Right, right. I mean, right, right, change right, her right. too. Which, and, and I guess Lauren, rightly so, you know, starts talking about how it could be psychological given everything she's gone through which obviously i think is is what it yeah yeah okay so all right you ready for this i came up i can't she's experienced erect fail dysfunction nice let me say that again she's experiencing erect fail dysfunction i like it all right (laughs) yeah i came up with that one that's patented in terms of and we see a lot of this kind of scene in castle where you know he comes in on his mother with a date uh, and the uncomfortable scene where Bo's like talking to her grandfather. Uh, well, did my mother ever have this problem? And and you know, trick kind of yeah. squirms through the. Uh, he tries to be clinical with it, but yeah, you know, that's just there's just no way when your granddaughter comes up and starts you know asking you how right. much did her mom have sex. You know, it's like not exactly something that's a dinner time conversation. Right. And I think I mentioned Lauren. It's actually trick that starts pointing out, you know, you, you were in hell, you, you know, you've, you've lost a number of meaningful people in your life. And, and, uh, you have to consider that that might be the cause, but then she points out that, you know what, it's kind of good to not have any power. No responsibility can be kind of a, uh, normal person. 
and then Tamsin comes in with the, with the information that uh, it's probably one of Musashi's brothers that's got the assassination attempt going on. So, which immediately we should assume that it's actually his sister who we already met and who he treated badly. Um, yeah, but you know what? I didn't I, at the time. I didn't know, but yeah. it's it's like another one of those things. And where do we know her from? I didn't. They didn't have the. Uh, uh, the actors listed on IMDb yet? They're usually a day or two behind. Yeah, I uh, because know. I know her from somewhere, some show. I mean, I, I watch almost nothing except genre shows, so I have to look. But uh, so we see Bo going undercover as a masseuse, uh, working on one of the brothers, not too successfully, and, and it doesn't take him long to figure out what it is that she's doing. But it turns out, like you said, it's the sister that arranged the hit. And, you know, we, as we said earlier, she realizes that if he does, that he's going to turn into a toilet fay. Which right. Yeah, and at this point, when, when she says, you know, how he, I can't tell you who the actual warrior was, I'm like, oh, well, totally. It was, it was yeah. her. You know, right. I mean, I've seen Mulan enough. I know how this works. Yeah. Well, well, the other interesting thing is she, you know, she is concerned about her brother's honor. And, and she even mentions, I think, at one point that if he will just admit the lie that there's honor in admitting the lie and and as you alluded to i mean he probably deserves to be a toilet fay or at least clean the toilets which apparently that's what he's going to have to do so you know apparently his being dead is better than being you know this other type fay right right oh yeah trying to kill him yeah yeah um now i guess in keeping with the japanese motif we see bo wearing the kimono Standing in front of the mirror, uh, do you remember Stuart Smalley? Yes, I was saying that she's doing that self affirmation. Oh there. my gosh! Yeah. I, you know, I, I kept thinking like, and doggone it, people, people like me. Like me. <laughs> I'm good enough. Right. I'm smart enough. Yeah, exactly. With, but then uh, um, Al Franken, right? He's a it, senator now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't get me started. You uh-huh. know, he's not one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> but Musashi comes in and he plunges a dagger. I mean, it's like gosh, shade, yeah. with shades of WTF uh, of right? hail, and uh, and we, you know, we've just been you know, reminded that she's in a weakened state, and you see the blood, and she's clearly, you know, that scene where she's crawling along the floor. And right, dude, what, 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 that, that that's totally from a movie. Okay, I don't know. Remember the Untouchables? I do. With Sean oh, Connery. oh, okay. and it's like that same camera angle as he's crawling on the floor trying to reach uh, the the address of the or, or the whatever. He has like something about the the guy who killed him, whatever, and everything. So she's trying to reach her phone. And, and she doesn't make it. Right. And, and we don't know whether she eventually makes it or whether, you know, Dyson, Lauren, whoever just showed up and yeah, found they her. They just take this, what we call an extreme narrative leap. Well, and that's okay. I mean, either way. Um, so, but then, and again, I kind of like the, the way the next scene uh, opened where, you know, it's kind of real hazy. It's, it's that scene where you're, you're seeing the camera angle from the victim and you see, you know, Lauren uh, over her and had to perform emergency surgery, and she says the internal injuries were really severe, so we don't know what impact that's going to have later on, although I guess we're led to believe since she can now heal herself as the episode ends. I think think she'll be okay by the end of this one. Because to be honest, I started thinking that is this going to do anything to impact her ability to have children later on? I mean, not that we've got any more seasons to go after after this one, but uh, it it did. Yeah, if that's going to happen, it better happen quick. 
Yeah, but uh, Bo's in this, you know, really deep funk, this malaise, and everybody's kind of like, yeah, well, it's understandable, this and that, not Tamsin. She goes, you know what? You want to get out of here? Yanks out her IV, right. you know, pulls her out of bed, and everybody's looking on horrified, but that was, of course, the absolute right thing to do. Yeah. You know? None of this whiny, mamby-pamby stuff. Just, you know, a little bit of tough love is what she needed. Yeah, but but we do get to the bottom of it to a certain extent in that the recognition that she's going to be alone. And, and it's just like, I, I can't remember if we said this in the last podcast or if we talked about it at lunch. It's, it, it's just like when... When Oliver uh, tells the Flash, it's guys like us, we're destined to be alone. Right. You know, and, and, and I think that's part of what her issue is. Yeah, and that's actually kind of like as the hero, that's, that's your deal. You got to go it alone. You're, you're on your own. And that's, yeah. that, that's just kind of part and parcel with, with being a hero. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, again, another nice scene that everybody goes around telling Bo that, no, 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 we'll be there for you. It's apparently not enough, or, or I'm sorry, it's apparently enough because the blue glowing eyes return and she tells everybody to get out and then grabs Dyson, not you. Yeah. And that, uh, collective groan you heard was from the, the you know, the whole docubus crowd. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, Bo again reiterates the no strings, right? And and I'm start to you know to quote Shakespeare. Methinks the lady doth protest too much. Yeah, it's like, come on, how many times does he have to? You got it, or you know, is uh, you know, we'll see. But well, you know, there's there's been some emotional stuff with Dyson. He kind of shows every now and then he gets a little too attached. He is a dog. He is. So he is. you know, you have to keep reminding them every now and then. Now. Again, there were some just really good scenes in this and a lot of what I would just call, you know, the kind of bonding relationship scene. So while, you know, Bo and Dyson are healing in the next room, Tamsin and Lauren are sitting there in Lauren's lab just, you know, listening. I, I mean, I suppose they could have left. I'm not sure why they, you know, why Lauren put herself through that. And, you know, again, we're not sure what Tamsin thinks about Dyson. I'm starting to think maybe she likes him a little bit, but well, they, I mean, we mentioned before they, you know, they did kiss. Yeah, they did. Um, so it's just, I mean, you're right. Like on a realistic level, you're like, why would they do that? But then, just for a TV show, that 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 always makes for a pretty funny scene where the people are inside the room. You can hear them having, you know, very loud sex and then the two people are out trying to have a normal conversation <laughs> right right while it's going on I mean, that's right. that's it, a, it was very that, funny. that's a comedic trope right that, and, and, uh, and i guess never what goes was, wrong well and i guess what was i i felt really brilliant about that scene was that it, it was all those things you just said but it was really very touching as well because obviously tamson's conscious of the fact that it has to hurt lauren tries to console her and then lauren kind of turns it around and tells tamson that you know despite your many negative qualities there are some things you really do that, you know, they don't go unnoticed. You know, we do know that, that things you do really do help. And, and Tamsin's really touched by it. Now, all right, Bo's recovered and uh, goes to the restaurant and lets, uh, what are we going to call him, the faux exalted one know that this is his new life. Try to live it with honor. And, uh, you know, that whole idea, though, that recognizing that a good leader is what her followers need her to be. 
Right, and that strength is not the only quality yep. necessary for a leader. That a leader has to be a whole bunch of things. She even she throws weak in there also in her list as things. So you know, a leader is what exactly what the the people need that leader to be um, at the time. So, uh, all right. Anyway, back at the clubhouse, uh, Tamsin's kind of ribbing Dyson about uh, his liaison with Bo. And, and, you know, like I kind of implied, you know, maybe she's a little bit jealous. But then he asks her to quit her job with the police force because Bo needs her. And and I think we're probably headed in that direction. So, um, yeah, probably. Well, and again, for Tamsin to take over that role that, that Kenzie had, she can't actually have a job. Yeah, you know, right. right. Because... Actually, it's only only Dyson and Hale and Tamsin are the only ones that ever seem right. to have an actual job. Yep. All right, so closing scene, Lauren comes in with wine and a six-pack of Dark Belch. Oh, I didn't know this Yeah, one. which was the Morgan special brew, oh, I, I, if I recall okay. correctly. And the four of them hunker down to watch a movie, and they decide on horror. And, uh, oh, uh, werewolves. Is that what he says? Dyson. <laughs> and uh, I did, that was funny that they decided they, they universally want to watch a horror movie. Yeah, and, and I like the fact that it, we didn't know Bo was on the couch at first. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty. Hey, are we going to watch a movie or what? So I, I like that. And then the final scene, we're at the morgue, and the dead girl kicks her way out of the refrigerator, stumbles around disoriented, grabs Lauren's assistant, who's been having a pretty bad day. Can you see me? Which takes us back to I'm thinking being human. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The yeah, whole yeah, the uh, ghost, right? Um, and then snaps her neck, takes her lipstick, and we realize, oh, it's the girl with the candle in right. the elevator. Yeah. So what happened? Well, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. So I'm starting to think, like, maybe, well, there, obviously there was a literal elevator that they were on because Dyson is investigating an elevator accident. But also I, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe that elevator is like the that afterlife elevator that, but I don't but then no, because she was a, a lawyer, right? She came in, she was talking on her phone. Yeah, that's like what she literally was. So it's it, it seems like this girl, I guess, who you know got onto it was not the Fay, but then maybe something has is using her body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Well, her I body like it. as a vessel and everything, and uh, so it's, it's crazy. But she's she's got a very kind of evil half smile there. That uh, yeah. Uh, it makes her perfect for this. Yeah, absolutely. The, the new, the new baddie. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I think I think probably that's it. All right, good. good. All right. Well, listen. Thanks for joining us on this morning episode of Fatalist. And if you'd like to send some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail dot com. Voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. And we'll be back next week to talk about Lost Girl season five, episode four. When God opens a window. But until next time. So, Dave, a lot of people ask me if I really know what it's like to podcast. And everyone that asks, I say, I do, and it's bullshit.